Hello and welcome back to the European show. Um, I'm joined by Nick once again today. Hi, we're back with a lot of football news, so get ready for a pretty interesting episode. Yeah, luckily we've timed um, the recording of this right, and we will first go over the the transfer news that happened, especially um, what happened over transfer deadline day. Is there were some very interesting, interesting moves that happened. Yeah, we, we were. We were planning on recording this yesterday, and then we realized it's probably smarter to wait for the final bits of news from the from the transfer window to come in. And I think it was a great decision because there were some intense last-minute moves. And so I think the first one we'll start with is Antoine Griezmann going back to Atletico Madrid on loan, as it just it's and and obviously. Uh, um, a domino effect of this is also seen Barcelona sign Luke de Jong and I think this just kind of shows the um, the situation that Barcelona are in at the moment and how shit it is really yeah I mean the, the way I see it Griezmann had to leave Barcelona right because he, he wasn't fitting in very well uh, he, he cost them a lot in wages he wasn't performing as well as was expected of him and so it's logical that they were searching for a way out for him. But um, currently they haven't received any money for him, except for, I guess, Atletico pays some of his wage. But since it's since it's a loan uh, with option or obligation to buy, it's not really clear yet. But um, since it's currently a loan and they haven't received a transfer fee yet, um, they've essentially let go of a quality player for no money. And granted, while he was not always fitting in very well with the team, and uh, was always looking quite lost and all of that. He did have games where he would really step up and and pop off. Well, well he may not have been at his best. He did score 13 goals and uh, helped out the team with 8 assists last season. Granted, those aren't world-class numbers. But he really, really stepped up in games where he was needed. Such as the Copa del Rey final. And, well, other, and the semi-final as well. Essentially, he himself was probably the most important person for Barcelona in that competition, which was the only silverware that they won in the season. Granted, maybe Messi, you could argue, was more important because Messi is Messi. But uh, but Griezmann scored some crucial goals and was really the, the motivating man in that campaign. And in, in that entire like two or three month stretch of the season, he's also performing really, really well in La Liga. And obviously, once again, while the numbers he put out and his performances were absolutely not what was expected of him. Replacing him with Luke de Jong is a serious, serious downgrade. It, it's, it's not even like an economically efficient move because, as I said, uh, Barcelona didn't receive a transfer fee for Griezmann and they will just lose so much in quality from, from Griezmann to de Jong. From Luke de Jong, obviously, Frankie is something else. And like, why would you do that? You're going to replace one player who's lost and doesn't bring much to the team with a player who is going to be even more lost and may even be detrimental to the team. Whether you just funnel all your... Because at least Griezmann didn't get in, get in the way. But if you have to funnel all of your balls into a striker and he can't score the, the, the chances you, you give him, there's no point. And also, Barcelona has three strikers already. Aguero, who granted is injured, but only for the next month and a half. Depay and Braithwaite. Of those, I would only say Depay is Barcelona quality right now. 
maybe Aguero, but we'll have to see what level he's at after he returns from injury. But they didn't need a fourth striker. I, I kept reading transfer rumors about Barcelona wanting to sign another attacker, and I didn't understand it. There isn't a need for it. The one of those attackers that Barcelona had inquired about was Dani Olmo, who they allegedly <laughs> bidded 75 million euros. And I think the fact that Barcelona had 75 million euros to spend should have instantly squashed any sort of rumour. Because that is something that Barcelona could not even register some of their players and they're interested in buying someone that they probably wouldn't even be able to afford, really. Until the last few days, they couldn't register. I don't remember if it was Aguero or... No, someone who played last season and I don't remember who it was. Quite an important... Uh, damn, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was um, Sergio Roberto. But the, or I think maybe Sergio Roberto was the one who took the pay cut. So another important, oh yeah, it was, it was Minguesa. It was Oscar Minguesa, who wasn't a register until a few days before the, before the transfer deadline. Because they just couldn't afford it until uh, uh, Jordi Alba and Sergio Roberto took pay cuts. So obviously they couldn't afford someone like uh, Dani Olmo, as Jack said. So yeah, uh, this transfer window for Barcelona has been a bit of a mess. Also, they bought Emerson Royal from Betis for 15 million euros and promptly sold him 29 days after his after his presentation for 30 million euros. Um, I, I mean, they made profit. They made profit, but not much, especially when you consider that initially he was a initially Barcelona bought him like four or five years ago from Brazil for 12 million euros. And they sold him to Betis for 6 million. So in that transfer, they lost 6 million euros. And then they bought him from Betis for 15 million. Right? So then they recover some of the money. And then they and then they sell him again. Except Betis had had a clause where they get 20% of the transfer fee, of the future transfer fee. So essentially they got 20% of that 30 million, which is 6 million. In total, Barcelona made six or seven million off of Emerson over the oh, since they bought him from from brazil it's the most like clumsy badly managed uh player situation i've seen in a while N not just that it's not that, it's not that they just bought an average middle-aged for a footballer player i was like okay he's not really gonna be useful ever might as well get rid of him he he's good and he had a few and he's 22 years old he can improve a lot he has a lot of potential his first two games with Barcelona were pretty inconsistent. The last one was actually quite bad. But that's, that's obviously going to happen if he's only been in the club for less than a month. He was really, really good with, with, um, with Betis last season. I would say that if he, was, if he got to the same level as last season, he would have been better than Dest or more useful for Barcelona than Dest and Sergio Roberto for sure. But they, they just quicksold him basically. Out of all the players... Uh, someone young like that with a lot of potential it's ridiculously stupid it's just you're so desperate for money you'll do anything um, staying in La Liga um, Florentino Perez said to Real Madrid he'll sign a, f a young French superstar <laughs> and they go out and buy Eduardo Camavinga as, as they could not reach an agreement with PSG for killing Mbappe it's quite interesting because obviously now PSG will lose killing Mbappe on a free transfer after they did not answer Real Madrid's calls of 200 million. So it's, 
I understand why PSG have done it because obviously they are going after the Champions League and with Mbappe that obviously heavily increases their chances but they're also going to make a loss on Mbappe as obviously they would have made some they would have made the money back that they spent on him originally but yeah but obviously Camavinga he he's being brought in as obviously he will eventually replace the ageing midfield that is Casemiro, Cruz, Modric and will hopefully um, become part of the future of Real Madrid with Valverde and Camavinga and then they will hopefully bring in Kylian Mbappe next summer as well. Yeah, and th- th- that's a very scary looking midfield for the future. With Camavinga, with Camavinga having shown high doses of quality in, in his first few years of his career at Rennes, and uh, alongside Valverde, who I, I consider to be probably the best young midfielder in the league. This is a bit controversial because that implies that he is better than Frankie de Jong, and I think he is, because he is extremely well-rounded, um, both defensively and offensively. He's strong, he's fast, he's smart with the ball and a good dribbler, can put out some very decent passes, and he's only just improving. He suffered a big injury last year, which set him back a little bit, but I think that he will go back to shining just as bright. Uh, this season and alongside Kamavinga another young and dynamic midfielder uh, they're going to be a duo to definitely watch out for on PSG they've signed Nuno Mensch from Sporting Lisbon PSG have somehow stumped up the money to afford this they now have a good left back as well so it is looking very very frightening at PSG with Pablo Sarabia going in the other direction on loan Um, Moise Kien has returned to Juventus as Cristiano Ronaldo's replacement. Um, he's on a two-year loan before eventually probably signing there permanently. Hopefully he'll be able to kick off where he did last time. Um, Alex Mariba has joined RB Leipzig um, from Barcelona. Obviously he was kind of being outcasted at Barcelona and it's a good move. Leipzig is probably one of the best places he could have gone to because he, he will learn a lot and he will develop very well. Yeah, I, I think for a young player, it makes more sense to go to RB Leipzig than instead Barcelona. Th- th- this would have sounded very strange from someone, to, if someone had heard me say that 10 years ago. But uh, but yes, Barcelona is not the, the best place for youth development. And uh, Ilaj Moriba, I think, will greatly improve. It would have sounded strange 10 years ago because Leipzig didn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, but also Barcelona had one of the best youth development programs and one of the best academies in the world back then. But now, obviously, RB Leipzig is essentially one of the best when it comes to to young players. On Leipzig, they have also lost Marcel Sabitzer, who has joined Bayern Munich for 15 million euros. Now, I have an issue with this, not with the transfer itself, but everything surrounding it, because people like to say Bayern bought the league. It was 15 million. If anyone was smart enough, they would do it. Tottenham were interested in Sabitzer, but he turned them down because, one, he's a Bayern Munich fan, and two, it's it's Tottenham. Tottenham. And he, he knocked Tottenham out he basically single-handedly knocked Tottenham out of the Champions League um, two seasons ago. So that that made sense. And if we look at the Bundesliga as a whole, there is a, there is a food chain. You, Borussia Dortmund buy all the good players from Borussia Mönchengladbach, such as Dorgan Hazard. 
Marco Royce and even take the manager as well, Lucien Favre and Marco Rosa. And then, and then every team buys, it's exactly the same as everywhere else. It's exactly the same. And Bayern Munich have had this model for nearly 40 years. And it, it's other teams have still been able to win the league. And people are saying, aren't saying the same thing about Manchester City when they were heavily linked with Harry Kane and bought Jack Grealish and have constantly thrown money around for the past few years. So I think it's definitely a case of people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And now on to the final transfer. It's Sarney Grez. He joined Chelsea on loan originally. Yeah, uh, the, the, this is quite related to the Griezmann transfer because it, it only... It, it's, what, it's what permitted uh, the space in the Atletico Madrid squad for Griezmann to arrive. And um, it's something that makes sense. Saul had been in bad form the previous season and he wanted a, a change, some fresh air. And he also said that he was... Well, at the start of the season, of this new new season that we're in right now, um, Simeone kind of solved the problem by changing Saul into a left wing back and he began performing a lot better. But he said he he wished to be able to prove himself again in his natural position and he didn't really want to settle as a left wing back reasonably enough so he he went out for some change and I think this is a good signing for Chelsea I think they already have a very strong midfield so I don't know how much Saul will will uh, play as, as, as a starter especially if he can't recover his old form because on his day he is a world-class midfielder but he had been quite slow and lethargic and uncreative these past 10 months or so so if he cannot recover, he will just be end up end up being dead weight. So it it depends a lot on him about how good this transfer is for Chelsea, really. And um, I think before we have our break, we should just really look at the, this transfer window as a whole. And basically, it's been on crack. <laughs> We've had two of the greatest players ever both move in the same window. In Lionel Messi, obviously joining PSG and. Cristiano Ronaldo joining um, Man- Manchester United again. We've had a lot of money being thrown around, arguably, whether it's whether it was worth it or not. And we've also obviously had a lot of rumours, with Mbappe being linked to Real Madrid and Harry Kane being linked to Manchester City as well. It's been an eventful summer. And and on top of and on top of that, Bayern Munich signed the captain the best young player and the manager of their closest rivals <laughs> you say that but I'll, I'll be like just because i'll be <laughs> leipzig finished second doesn't mean they're their closest rivals but to, to finish this off um to sum up that the whole transfer window has been on crack um, philip costage has wanted to leave um track frankfurt for a while now which is fair enough and lazio were heavily linked to the serbian and they were in talks with it. And it broke down in the final hour because Eintracht Frankfurt gave Lazio a fake email address on purpose so they could tell Kostic, who, who, who wanted to move, that no bid came in. <laughs> and then Kostic's agent has found out and Philip Kostic is refusing to return to training for Eintracht Frankfurt. So I think that just story just perfectly sums up everything. 
and how, how mental this past summer has been. And I think when we look back at it a few years, um, a few years time, we'll realize the magnitude of this transfer window. And I, I do think obviously next summer's going to be a big one as well, because obviously we have Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland both likely moving as well. So it'd be interesting to see how this all how this all really pans out. So now we're going to have our break and then we'll be back with the past weekend's football. Welcome back from our break. We're now going to look back at this weekend's football. So we'll first start in La Liga where Villarreal shot themselves in the foot as they were on the verge of winning against Atletico Madrid. What a, what a game. I almost hung myself. It was so, so frustrating to watch. Atleti uh, seems to have abandoned their old boring style of defensive football and now it's just attack, attack, attack. A lot of fast, precise, vertical um, movements. Lots of good dribbling down the wings, connecting with the midfield. It was very, very pleasing and it's some very good football to watch. And it resulted in lots of good opportunities. And by the end of the match, Aleti had taken 23 shots. However, uh, because, well, uh, Aysa Mandi and, uh, and Ruli, the centre-back and Villarreal, played 90 minutes of extremely good football. They stopped most of this. Also, some uh, lack of clinical clinicality from from Atleti's forwards helped out Villarreal a bit uh, and then with some luck and some skill you could say Villarreal uh, punished Atleti for their for not being able to, to take advantage of their opportunities and they scored from a counter and so after that uh, Atleti had to reply and shortly after uh, Correa assists Suarez for the equaliser and then the game essentially went on with the same dynamic until uh until a long ball from, from Villarreal, which was going nowhere, uh, kind of caught the Atleti, uh, two Atleti defenders off guard, and they kind of left the ball, one left the ball for the other, they didn't understand it, it kind of left it in no man's land, and then a Villarreal player picks it up around the edge of the box, it leads to a goal, stupidest thing ever, or so it seems. Villarreal is winning, and then 90th minute comes, plus five minutes, and this is where Isamandi and Ruli uh, reach the, the limit of their good football and their brains start to turn off. So in literally the last kick of the game, um, Correa picks up the ball, crosses it, there's no one there. Uh, so Ruli moves out of his goal to intercept it. But then uh, Mandy, for some reason, decides to jump in and try and pass it to Ruli. So he heads it, but Ruli is already moving out of his goal to try and, pa- and, grab, the, and grab the ball. So the, the goal is empty and Mandy just scores a beautiful diving header with into an empty goal. It's the stupidest thing I've seen in my life. When you're the literally 10 seconds left of the game, 20 seconds left, you're winning against one of the best teams in the league and you do that. Uh, mind-boggling, really mind-boggling. So with that, Atleti is, uh, is the last team to not be able to, to, to... is the last team to drop points in the league. Everyone now has seven points at the top of the table. Uh, those being Real Madrid, Sevilla, Valencia, Barcelona, Atleti, and imp- impressively enough, Mallorca. There are st- currently a top six. Uh, to speak of the other big clubs, 
Real Madrid beat Betis 1-0. It was, it was a very exciting game. It was quite back and forth with a lot of opportunities for both teams. However, Real Madrid capitalized on their chances better with, well, specifically on one occasion in which Dani Carvajal scored a very nice volley. Um, then after that, they were put under quite a lot of pressure from the Betis attacks, but nothing came of it really. So with that, Real Madrid scraped away their, their three points. And then uh, Sevilla drew with Elche 1-1. As I predicted, Elche put up a... Well, put up a very tough fight against uh, against a, a team in this division having been only recently promoted to the, um, the, the, the to to the liga one would expect Elche to be a pushover but they they snatched away two points from Athletic Bilbao in their opening game and uh, Atletico Madrid severely struggled to beat them so they they, they were finally able to uh, impose themselves as a roadblock on another big team uh, today with um, starting off strong with Enzo Rocco scoring 1-0 and w while um, Sevilla dominated the game uh, Elche's strong solid defense and honestly pretty pretty annoying uh, block to to get past really made it made Sevilla uh, kind of desperate and they couldn't really catch a good sight of goal until Yusuf and Nasiri banged in the, um, the equalizer from there it was just defending from Elche really trying to hold on to um, to the draw maybe hopefully snatching a goal from a counter but nothing really came of it and the game ended 1-1 with Sevilla also uh, losing their win their two game win streak then the the final game of note Barcelona versus Getafe uh, this ended in a 2-1 win for Barcelona in which the team showed inconsistent streaks. Sometimes they were really good and completely ran over a pretty weak Getafe team. And sometimes they were completely dead and were dominated by, once again, a team that's not at their best. The difference here was essentially one team had Memphis Depay who has started the year off, well, the season off with an absolute ban. And he's playing incredibly well. Absolutely the highlight uh, of the game for Barcelona, I would say was was this man being on the pitch every time he touched uh every every time he touched the ball he just created danger he was just so fast dribbled well was good at creating spaces and taking shots out of nothing he he kept the the getafe defenders on their toes the entire game so the, i mean this is easily 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 the best move that uh, barcelona has made in the transfer window and i think that he will absolutely be the star for for this team in in the in the in the coming days well in the coming months even sorry there are so two things um, Ansu Fati is Barcelona's new number ten um, replacing Lionel Messi so they've kept it in the La Mesa bloodline obviously it's big shoes to fill big is probably an understatement and <laughs> the other thing is the fact that um, Ibiza have signed Juan Ibiza during the Chelsea <laughs> and what makes this even better is the fact that Juan Ibiza is from Ibiza so now we'll go on to Liga where PSG routinely beat Reim 2-0 thanks to two goals from Kim Mbappe who clearly didn't want to be there but had to deal with it anyway 
But obviously, this the whole the whole point of this game was Lionel Messi making his debut at PSG. If I'm being honest, I was a little disappointed by this game. I I, I watched it because of Messi. It was dreadful. It was very very boring. It was just slow, lethargic football. Reem looked like they knew that they were going to be beaten from the start. Granted, there was about 15 minutes in which they attacked really well and they scored a goal, but it was later ruled ruled for offside. And it was essentially just PSG looking like they were just there to to do their job. They knew what they they knew they were going to win, and they just passed the ball mechanically. Didn't look very energetic, and they're like, "Okay, we're going to win this anyways." So that was not very interesting. Messi did come on, which is nice to see. He didn't do much, however, and he was mostly just passing the ball around on one touch. He had a few nice dribbles, but after the second or third, the Reims players uh, just began tackling him hard before he was able to do anything. So n- it, there was no point, really. It was it was just Messi's on the pitch. That's pretty cool. Nothing special came of it, unfortunately. So that was quite a big... The whole game was quite a disappointment for me. I expected more from both PSG and I guess Messi, but I can't really blame him for not not having the opportunity to do, do much when he was subbed on in the 20th minute of a dead game. Sorry, with 20 minutes to go in a dead game. Yeah, but people... Pochettino's a fraud, as obviously everyone wanted to see Mbappe, Neymar and Messi on the same pitch at the same time. But for that, we'll probably have to wait. Or even it could be something that never happens, as it would be either Neymar or Messi that plays, because that's the type of Pochettino type of thing that he seems to do. Um, Nice beat Bordeaux 4-0 Nice are looking very good under um, Christophe Gautier and seem to be like the only team that may be able to challenge um, PSG for the title if it's even possible to beat PSG but obviously Gautier um, he he managed to help Lille win the title so there's nothing that he cannot do and then obviously Marseille who are definitely one of the teams to watch along with Nice um, beat Saint Etienne three one in quite in yeah in a routine win. I think Marseille need to learn how to defend if they want to challenge for the title. So now we're going to have our, our break and then we'll be back with the Bundesliga and Serie A. Tic tac. Uh, welcome back from our golf song break where we didn't have a golf song we had um, we had Josep Pedrero um, going tic tac Josep Pedrero for, for, for those hard to understand his pronunciation uh, going tic tac which has been one of the memes of, of the transfer window obviously Nick how, how would you rate this I, I think it's quite funny it, it, it's, it's, it's humorous because Mbappe did not sign for for Real Madrid and this was this was just and this just ends up making Pedrero look really stupid. Uh, however, on the bright side, it does save Real Madrid a lot of money, so I can't even clown him that badly. I, I, I would say a six out of ten. Really quite funny. I'll give it a seven out of ten. I think for, for the meme it, for the meme itself, I'm gonna go for a nine out of ten. Yeah, it's it's a good meme. It's a very good meme. So now we will go on to the Bundesliga. So. Um, the first, we'll first start with RB Leipzig versus Wolfsburg. Um, Wolfsburg have ended up, uh, won this game 1-0, thanks to a Jerome Rousselon goal. And Wolfsburg have actually ended up being the surprise leaders in the Bundesliga, which is quite su- surprising in itself due to the fact that Mark von Bommel 
I saw him as quite an incompetent manager, but obviously he's proving me wrong currently. But Wolfsburg have actually had a decent transfer window in itself. And this was shown when on Monday, out of the blue, they just announced that they've signed her, one of Hertha Berlin's best players, Dodi Lukabakio, on loan for the season. And that that signing goes along with Luca Waldschmidt from, from Benfica, Sebastian Bornau from Cologne, and Lucas Nementia from Manchester City. All decent transfers and, and does help bolster... Wolfsburg squad, especially when they have Champions League football coming up. And but the Luca Bacchio um, loan just kind of shows the state that Hertha Berlin are in. The fact that they're just left, they're having all this money pumped into them, and they're spending it completely wrong, while also just letting their best players leave easily. And and this just shows that they lack some sort of ambition and time. So many times I've said that Hertha Berlin have the potential to be a good team because of every where they are based and how much money they have. They just and the stadium that they're in as well. They just aren't able to really do anything with it and just are under the wrong ownership and everything. They've tried to go in the direction, right direction with the signing of Freddy Bobic, um, the sporting director from Frankfurt, but that's, that hasn't worked at all yet, and it's 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 completely wrong. And Hertha Berlin really have to have to well, it's going wrong on and off the pitch as well as Hertha Berlin lost five 0 to Bayern Munich, and I think the the standout from this is the fact that Robert Lewandowski scored a hat trick, and that puts him on five goals this season already with three games played, and it does make me think that it's possible that Lewandowski could once again break his own record, the own record that he set last year. I yeah, think it's absolutely. entirely possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year he marginally broke the record on the last day. But, however, he was injured for a fair amount of the season. If he stays fit uh, this year, uh, it's it's very quite possible. Especially five goals in three games. He He's already one-eighth of the way there. So, I, I think it's uh, really quite possible that, that he can break his own record. We can't... Last year we were talking about the Gerd Müller record. Now it feels strange saying the Lewandowski record because he would be breaking his own. But I think that would be a, a, a really incredible feat if at the age of well over 30, he can consecutively break Bundesliga scoring records. I think it would make him one of the greatest strikers of all time. And it, it was also his 300th goal for Bayern Munich in, in all competitions. And Thomas Müller and Jamal Musiala, who has been a standout player for, for Bayern Munich as well, both scored the other two goals. Um, Brucey Dortmund beat Hoffenheim 3-2. Um, Dortmund opened the scoring uh, through Giovanni Reina, who scored on his 50th appearance for Dortmund. However, Christoph Baumgartner then equalised 12 minutes later for Hoffenheim. But then later on, G. Bellingham, who is arguably being Dortmund's best player in these opening games, um, scored after he got himself an assist for Giovanni Reina. However, sadly, Jude Bellingham went off injured um, a bit later on, but it's not serious as he has joined up with England for international duty. With Dortmund winning 2-1, they're going to the 90 minute, into the 90th minute, certain that they are going to win. However, in the 90th minute, they do the most Dortmund thing possible and concede to Munis de Boer. 
and it looked like they were just throwing away the, the three points. However, after a bit of ping pong and the great double save from Oliver Bauman, uh, Erling Haaland lashed it home later on to, to give Dortmund the three points. But, and the, it's a big but, is if Dortmund want to win the league, they cannot keep doing this. It is not sustainable to to keep either throwing games away or... or th- it's not sustainable to keep throwing them away and there are issues defensively obviously um, Gregor Kobel had a great game and has shown that he's easily an upgrade on Roman Berkey and Marvin Hitt and is quite competent but it's ahead of him that there is an issue Dortmund has signed Marvin Pongrandzic I butchered that name um, from Wolfsburg on, on deadline day who can play as a centre-back or right-back but I still don't think that's going to fix the issue they have their issue is mainly at right-back as they've been unable to find a suitable replacement for Afra Shakimi since he left Diogo Dallo would have been the, the right-back that they probably needed however Manchester United didn't want to let him go so they're stuck with Thomas Mounier Felix Paslak and an injured Matthew Murray as well as Pongranic but it, it still won't make a difference. They need to really sort out their defence if they want to really challenge for the title. And it still does mean Marco Rosa has a significant amount of tinkering left to do if he wants to win the league. Freiburg beat Stuttgart 3-2 in, in a regional derby. I'm saying regional because I've been told that it's not, actu- not an actual derby, which is quite confusing even though they are in the same state. And then Augsburg lost 4-1 to Bayer Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen looking like a, a good outfit un, under Gerardo Sione. And they made some good signings as well. Um, they were obviously fighting at the top and looked to be quite a, a good team, scoring eight goals in their previous two games. Obviously the other one being Borussia Mönchengladbach. And obviously Borussia Mönchengladbach lost 2-1 to Union Berlin. Great for Union Berlin and Taiwo Iwoni, the former Liverpool man, is looking very good for Union Berlin. However, it is looking quite bleak for Borussia Mönchengladbach. The scoreline doesn't do it justice. They were terrible throughout. They got, they grabbed a goal right to death. It doesn't really do anything. And the way they're going, they're going to be needing to sign Simon Terode next year to help them get promoted because Gladbach are playing terrible. But luckily, they, there are worse teams than them to stop them from getting relegated. And so now on to Syria. Um, Inter Milan seem to be doing quite well without um, Lukaku, Hakimi, and Conte as they won 3 1 against Hellas Verona with Joaquin Correa scoring twice on his debut for, um, for Inter Milan. Does beg the question who is the better Correa, Angel or Joaquin? That, that's a great question. I. Back when um, Joaquin Correa, or as we would know him, El Tuku, played for Sevilla, uh, this was something I, I asked myself quite a lot. Back then, I think Joaquin Correa was was better because for Sevilla, he was like shining week in, week out, while Correa, well, Angel Correa was as inconsistent as ever. But now they've both had such amazing starts to the season, I couldn't really tell you which one. I, I do think they're both going to absolutely shine. And I'm a massive fan of, of El Tuku Correa, Joaquin Correa. Um, he has always been one of my favorite players. Which is just anywhere he went. I, I, I was really sad when he left La Liga. But uh, I'm glad that he'll get his chance to shine, hopefully, uh, on in one of the biggest clubs in Italy. And I, I think he has the quality uh, to succeed. I 
I think it's strange to consider him a direct Lukaku replacement because I find him more as a, as a winger kind of player, a very fast, explosive kind of person who, who you, you get the ball to him out wide and then suddenly before you know it, he's in your box. And uh, uh, as a sole striker, I don't think that, that quality would be as useful. But uh, if, if, they can, if they can match him up with, with Zeko in some sort of form, then he can tear the league apart, absolutely. I, I mean, he's already been showing his enormous quality at Lazio, so I, I, I do think he's going to do absolutely great. Uh, Juventus started life without Ronaldo terribly as they lost 1-0 to Empoli, um, clearly showing that they are a one-man team. Uh, Roma beat Salah Itana 4-0. Um, Tammy Abraham bagged his first goal for Roma after a great debut against Fiorentina and actually Roma look a good team under Jose Mourinho and it's, it's going to be an interesting title race in Italy especially with Juventus being shit uh, Absolutely, I was, I was actually going to comment just that that with Juventus looking weaker than ever and you have Inter and AC uh, who were so strong last year and uh, we, we have yet to see just how well they will be now and then on top of that, a, a strong-looking Lazio, Napoli, and Mourinho's brand new and exciting Roma. We, we, we I, I think Juve will have to severely, severely struggle to qualify for the Champions League. They didn't, up until the last few days of the last season, they had their future uncertain and, and it looked like they were going to go to the Europa League, but, but they managed. But uh, most of that was because they had Cristiano Ronaldo, just a reliable, you get the ball to him and he'll score kind of player. Now they don't have that. And they, they're still playing dead football, even though they changed managers. So unless Allegri can revolutionize the team, uh, they will be worse than last year. And last year they already struggled to qualify for the Champions League. So it's, it's possible that we may see uh, Juve not competing in the highest stage of football in the next season, which I think would be absolutely crazy. And then Lazio, um, Rome seems to be the place for good football as Lazio beat Spezia 6-1 thanks to a Chiro Amobili hat-trick which puts them top of Serie A. So, and the last thing is in Belgium obviously we, we championed the beer shots throughout that season. Um, they're now dead last in, in the Pro League <laughs> with only one point. So they've clearly been found out and the the team that is quite a surprise in Belgium this year is Union Saint-Gilois I've probably butchered that one as well um, they're based in Brussels and they are now top of the Pro League with 12 points from 6 games which is quite surprising as they were newly promoted as well so they are probably the beer shot of this year but anyway that's it for today, for today. thank you for listening we will be back after the international break um, and we will talk about whatever happened over the international break then as well as look ahead to the to the fixtures that are up and coming uh, so thank you for listening please like us follow us subscribe whatever and we will see you then thank you very much for listening and we'll see you in a few weeks goodbye